listening to the Miracle Word Podcast. We believe that the Word of God gives you the power to experience never-ending increase in every area. If you're ready for revelation that will take you to the next level, you're in the right place. Here's your host, evangelist, author, and founder of Miracle Word University, Ted Shuttlesworth, Jr. I told you guys that today... Uh, I would be teaching some, and we'll go through that, <clears throat> but I want to take the majority of the time we have to answer your questions, because when I text you, when I sent you the message, um, a lot of you, a lot of you responded with questions, and uh, I put all the, the ones that I could get uh, that were relevant to the, the topic into my iPad so that we could go through some of these today. Um, maybe I wasn't as clear as possible. There were Some of the questions were just random questions, but... What I had originally meant was, um, you know, do you have questions regarding this series that we're doing? And so a lot of you sent questions back. Good morning, Caitlin. How's your back today? We prayed for you yesterday, believing for a good report, a healing report in Jesus' name. Um, And so we're going to do that. We're going to answer questions today. We're going to teach. And listen, if you missed any of these sessions, go back and go through them. Day one, we talked about the power of prayer, prayer in your known language prayer in the spirit. Day two, we talked about the power of praise and how prayer and praise are companion tools, uh, companion weapons in the kingdom of God, that both of them need to be activated together. And that is, that is very important. Then we talked about, uh, the power of, um, your, um, response, if you will, the power of your response, you know, setting, setting your mind, You know, you have the ability to set your mind on things above. You have control over your mind and your flesh and the response of uh, speaking the word at every um, temptation like Jesus did. That was day three. Yesterday, we covered your authority in Christ. The fact that you have authority in Christ to command. In fact, I got a testimony this morning that said, you know, I was, I was doing, I, I did exactly what you said on the broadcast. I was outside playing basketball with my daughter and just read the text and said, you know, I started confessing like you were doing. I have a spirit of faith. I have a spirit of peace. I have a spirit of joy. And he said, I added, I have a spirit of victory. And he said, I felt the overwhelming presence of God come on me. And, uh, and so it, 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 I'm telling you, it works to do what the Bible says. It works. And, um, and so th- this is why this is so important because people are dealing with very real Attacks of the enemy. Uh, looking forward to being in New Holland with you as well. Again, that starts this this uh, Sunday night. After Vision Sunday at uh, Miracle Word Church, we're headed to New Holland, Pennsylvania to begin revival. And uh, I'll just say those two things up front. Carolyn um, starts tomorrow night uh, for the Women's Conference in New Holland, Pennsylvania. If you're anywhere near that area or want to make a little road trip from West Virginia or Ohio, Pennsylvania, wherever... Uh, tomorrow night, April 15th at 6 p.m., Carolyn's speaking at Lighthouse Assembly of God for the Women's Conference, and uh, don't want to miss that, ladies. And then starting Sunday night, we have Revival that's beginning, uh, New Holland, Pennsylvania, Lighthouse Assembly of God, same place, and we're going to be there this upcoming week. It's going to be absolutely great, and we'd love to see you. If you want to make a trip, Victory Tribe, we'd love to see you in person as well, and um just want to say that before we jump in. So I got your questions. 
and um, and we're going to um, we're going to hit those. But let me just let me just break this down first today. Is that the, as I said from the beginning, the devil has no new tricks. The devil has no new tricks. He's still doing the same things he's always tried to do. He can't steal your covenant, can't steal your salvation. So what does he do? He tries to deceive you with thoughts and lies uh, that he works against your mind. He tries to get you to believe then that they're your own thoughts and that they're reality and that he doesn't exist, right? He's a deceiver. He's the father of lies. And so he uses heaviness, he uses fear, and he uses discouragement to try to destroy people's lives, purpose, future, family. No question. He always has done that, and he's still trying to do it today. And I said yesterday something that I feel is a very important point. Stop trying to normalize things that God spiritualized. Let me say that again, and I had you write it down yesterday. It's worth remembering. And by the way, thanks for jumping on with me. Share this broadcast today. It's helpful. I'm telling you, I'm so happy for all of the messages I've got from this week. People saying, thank you, thank you for doing this series. It's helped me immensely. I'm so happy. And the testimonies that have come back. But listen, stop trying to normalize the things that God spiritualized. You say, what do you mean by that? Well, there's people today. And they would, even Christians, well, you know, depression's not really a spirit. Fear's not really a spirit. It's a, it's a state of mind. You know, depression's a chemical imbalance in the brain. Okay, it might manifest that way in the natural realm. But the Bible speaks of a spirit of heaviness. The Bible speaks of a spirit of fear. So we know what the origin is. There's an origin in the spirit realm that has to be dealt with spiritually. You can't counsel a demon away from someone. You can't counsel. There's no therapist that's going to, by therapy, get a demon out. And not that you're demon possessed, but what I'm saying is if there's an attack of the devil coming against your mind, you can't conversate it away. You know, well, you know, I, I had some issues with my parents growing up and I think maybe that's, no, take authority, take authority. And so I want you to hear this today, that you don't normalize what God spiritualized. Amen. Um, Testimony from Janine, we had a huge breakthrough from this week last night. Praise God. Praise God. And so as we're doing this, hear me today. You've got to deal with spiritual issues in a spiritual way. And that's why I've been reading these things to you. But again, mark some scriptures down in your notes today. And we've hit these, but I want you to mark it down. Uh, 2 Corinthians 10, 4. That's why I'm telling you these. Because the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but they have divine power to destroy strongholds. There you go. The weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh. You're probably used to hearing it from the King James. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty to the pulling down of strongholds. That's why we're talking like this. Don't normalize what God spiritualized. Our weapons are spiritual weapons. Look at all the weapons I've given you this week. They're all spiritual things. Prayer, praise, quoting the word and being in the word, taking authority over the devil. These are spiritual things. You're, you're, you know, God doesn't need natural means to heal you of a spiritual attack. He's not so small of a God that he, not, that he needs. Well, yes, prayer is good, but God really requires prayer and antidepressants. No, no. No, and I'm not faulting you if you've taken medication. In fact, somebody answer, asked the question, is it wrong 
that I've taken medication for a sickness? Is it wrong that I've taken medication for something that I'm going through? I said, it's not wrong. It's not a sin to take medication. The Bible doesn't mention that it's a sin to take medication. In fact, there is a woman who came to Jesus in Mark 5, uh, the woman with the issue of blood. The Bible says that she had spent all she had on medical care and had not gotten any better, but had gotten worse. Jesus didn't, after she touched the hem of his garment, turn around and say, I would have healed you, but you went to doctors first. I would have healed you, but you spent your money on medical care. No, he didn't rebuke her, whether or not he knew it. He didn't rebuke her, and the Bible does not address it as though she was in sin because she sought medical care. And so I'm not condemning people that have gone to receive medical care. Of course not. What I'm saying is that medical care, natural care, a therapist, whatever other people recommend, it is not the same as divine help. It is not the same as supernatural, a supernatural touch from God. And see, if you get help in the natural, great. I'm glad that technology has advanced to the place where they're not putting leeches on your body anymore to suck the problem out of your bloodstream, because that used to be medical care. And medical care has developed far beyond that. And so I'm not saying uh, that I'm not happy people have gotten help. Thank God if you did. What I'm saying is don't then attribute that uh, uh, praise to God and say, I just want to give honor to God and give praise to God. The doctor was able to do a successful surgery on me. That's not God's doing. That's the doctor's doing. God doesn't get praise from that. So thank God if someone has gotten medical help, but it's not the same as divine help. When God does it, he's not going to be confused or he's not going to confuse others about who gets the glory for what went down. And, and Valerie, I understand stand all, all that. She said, if people understood the root word of pharma, pharmakia, uh, in, in, the, in, the, in the Bible, the original language, I get all that. But what I'm talking about is, <clears throat> thank God, if your life's been saved, I'm thanking God with you. But don't act like it was God that did it, because God will never make people, and this is a huge point, and I need you to get it in your spirit. God will never make people, or he'll never confuse people on the issue of who gets the glory. Because God doesn't share his glory. God gets all the glory for the things that he does. So when God moves, God will move in such a way that there's no possible way that a man could take the glory for what he did. No possible way. No possible way. When God does something, he'll do it in a big way so that it points to him. The miracle points to him. And he's the only one that can get the praise and glory for what happened. So that, that's the point I'm making. So don't normalize what God spiritualized. And so that's why I read you that. The weapons of our warfare, they're not of the flesh, but they have divine power to destroy strongholds. And that's the point, to destroy strongholds. This week, strongholds are being destroyed in your life by the power of the word. This, this teaching right here, the Bible says you'll know the truth and the truth will make you free. I do not believe, Karen, that God uses medicine to heal. I don't believe it at all, not a, not a bit. Because if God did use medicine to heal, again, who would get the glory? Would God get the glory or would the medicine get the glory? Or the doctor or the pharmaceutical company that developed the medicine, would they get the glory? I do not believe that God does things to cloud or shadow who gets the glory from the outcome. And I do not believe it whatsoever. If God heals you, you know, that's why when I was preaching one time in a youth camp, I, uh, I had a, one of the nurses at the youth camp up in Maine, 
she got really mad at me after the first night and she took off her lanyard, turned it into the front office and she stormed out. I mean, she went home. She's a Christian and it's a Christian youth camp. And I was preaching to young people that the Lord can set you free from depression and anxiety and panic attacks, the same type topic as we're dealing with. And I said, God will heal you in such a way you don't need your medication anymore. Now, I wasn't telling young people, um, I wasn't telling young people that uh, um, they needed to go off their medication. I was just saying when God heals you, you won't need to use your medication anymore because you'll be healed. And God didn't use your medication to do it. And she got so mad. And when she got home, she wrote me this big, long thing on Facebook. And I know prayer is good. And I know faith is good. But these kids need their medication. I was like, okay, you obviously don't understand the power of prayer and faith. You obviously don't understand it. So I just wrote back, LOL. The best response for these kinds of things. Um, Hunter asks, do you think God created? Scroll back up a little bit. Do you think God created? Right there it is. Um, the medicine, i.e. the plants used, etc. And uh, it's obvious that God has created uh, plants and created, um, you know, nature. But no, God did not create the, the pharmaceutical drugs that are being created. Those are taken, made by man. They're taking God, things God made and creating them. Just like God didn't make the iPhone and God didn't make pornography. He created the... Uh, you know, God created the, the, the elements necessary to make video cameras and recording equipment, and he created human beings, but he didn't create pornography. You understand? Same way, he didn't create the iPhone. He created the elements in the earth to be mined and to be refined in order to create those things, but men created those things, not God. Amen. And so that's, that's how it works. So no, I don't, know, I don't believe that God creates the medication, <clears throat> but he obviously created uh, us in need of his power. That's why he created us uh, with a need to have relationship with him. Because as we used to sing when I was growing up, he's all I need. That was a song that we'd sing uh, when I was little. Uh, it was a very simple song. He's all I need. He's all I need. Jesus is all I need. And then we, it was just like a, a chorus that we'd sing over and over. He's all I need. He's all I need. Jesus is all I need. We'd switch it up. He satisfies. He satisfies. That's that dependency on Christ. Jesus is all you need. If Jesus is able, if God is able to do exceeding abundantly and above all that you can ask or think according to the power that works in you, then he doesn't need some other element or some other resource to make you well. He can do it all by himself. That's the point I'm making today. And so it's important to, to know that because you can get into a problem with your faith, though, if you're trying to put your faith in men and in God at the same time. In fact, Jeremiah, the prophet, uh, speaks that there's a curse on that. There's actually a curse on that mindset. Uh, and I'll read to you Jeremiah 17 and verse 5. The Bible says, thus says the Lord, cursed is the man who trusts in man and makes flesh his strength, whose heart turns away from the Lord. That's Jeremiah 17, 5. Cursed is the man. So there's a curse that comes from putting your trust in men. Why is that? Because really what's happening is 
you're, you're trusting in, in a fallible source. Men will fail you. Men can't do everything. What do you do when men can't help you anymore? And if you could scroll to the bottom for me so I can see all the comments. Um, what do you do when men can't help you anymore? <clears throat> right? What do you do when they look at you with a diagnosis and say, sorry, there's nothing else I can do for you. Um, <clears throat> you know, uh, just go home, make memories with your family. You're, we're going to send hospice. Well, there's nothing else men can do for you. Their arm is too short to help you. But, but God's never in a position where he can't help you. That's the point. And so it's like God asked Bishop Oyedepo one time. He said, my son, can you make one of your eyes look up while the other one looks down? And he said, I tried it and I couldn't do it. And he said, in the same way that you can't make one of your eyes look up and the other one look down, he said, don't ever tell people that you're looking unto me when you're actually looking unto men. Powerful thought. And so it's very interesting that we have to know that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. That we quote that so often and people don't actually understand the depth of what that means. It means I'm not using natural means to get a supernatural answer. In fact, I want you to write that in the comments and put it in your notes. I'm not using natural means to get a supernatural answer. I'm not using natural means to get a supernatural answer. Glory to God. I'm not using natural means to get a supernatural answer. That's a very, very important point that we're dealing with today. And so I want you to keep it in your spirit. Want, want to keep it in your spirit. All right, let's jump in. <clears throat> I've got questions here today that it's going to take some time to get through. You sent them in. Now listen, um, at the end, uh, hold your questions until I ask for them because if the comments go by right now while I'm answering these, I'll lose them. So wait until the end when I ask you for questions. And if you didn't get a chance to text some in, uh, I, I want to take them. If we have the time at the end, take yours in the comments today too. So let me just jump right into the questions that came in that did pertain. I'll do as many of these as possible. Uh, first question was this. Could you cover why going to the right church matters and the dangers of false doctrines? Uh, or, for example, living with unsaved or unbelieving family as well. Well, they're talking about environment. That's what this question's about. And it does matter. It does matter because what does the Bible say? As I quoted a moment ago, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. The truth will set you free. What if you go to a church that doesn't preach the truth or doesn't preach the whole truth? And there's plenty of those. Plenty of those that they'll tell you Jesus is a savior but they won't tell you that he's a healer and they won't preach healing and they won't lay hands on the sick and they tell you that's not for today. Plenty of churches that do that. Or they tell you he won't heal everybody, he just sovereignly picks and chooses who he will heal. Okay, you have now manipulated the truth because that's not what the Bible teaches. What about if you go to a church that, does, that teaches the baptism of the Holy Spirit and speaking in tongues is not for today? Well, that's obviously wrong. There's nothing in the Bible that teaches it's not for today. Cessationism is a stupid myth. And it's not supported by Scripture. It's absolutely foolish. It's one of the most easy things to debunk in Scripture. Right? So what do you do when you go to a church that doesn't teach these things? You leave that church and go to one that preaches the full gospel. That's what you do. <laughs> That's what you do. Because it is life or death what you have preached into your spirit. Why? Because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the mighty word of God. 
as I taught in our series in Miracle Word University on mountain moving faith, one of the things we deal with is the fact that faith is compartmentalized. You can have faith for one thing in the kingdom and have no faith at all for another thing. For an, exa- for an example, you can have faith to be saved and absolutely no faith to be baptized in the Holy Ghost. That was actually found in scripture. Acts 19, when Paul met 12 men in Ephesus, and he said, did you receive the Holy Ghost since you believed? They said, we've not even heard there is such a thing as the Holy Ghost. He said, then what baptism were you baptized with? And they said, the baptism of John. And then after hearing what Paul preached, they were all 12 baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And then they were, he laid his hands upon them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, began to speak with other tongues, prophesy. So notice they had no faith to be filled with the Holy Ghost because they hadn't heard any teaching or preaching on it. Same thing is happening today. Hunter, uh, please, you can let me know uh, what it is. But if you help me this by saving it to the end, uh, I can help better because I want to get through these questions. So this person's exactly right. Going to the right church matters because if you're not getting the proper preaching and teaching, then what's going to happen? You're not going to have the proper faith built in your spirit to have what God said is yours. So it's possible, it's possible to hear preaching and teaching on salvation or maybe even healing. But it's like, well, what do you do? What do you do when they won't preach or teach on the baptism of the Holy Ghost? What do you do when they won't preach or teach on authority over the devil? And then they teach you, no, listen, um, uh, you know, You'll go through these things in life and there's no, you know, that's how life is. You just got to trust that God will be with you through the storms. That, a lot of churches teach that crap. And, the, and it is crap because the Bible doesn't teach God's just going to be with you through the storm. The New Testament teaches that Christ has given us authority by the Holy Ghost over the devil. Again, go back and watch yesterday's session. It's what it was about. And we don't, we don't believe we take life as it comes. We don't believe we just coast through and understand there's going to be ups and downs. And there's going to be times where the devil defeats us in a battle. Then there's times that we win. It's just important that we keep getting back up again. The Bible doesn't teach that crap. The Bible teaches that, yes, there's persecution. But for the things Jesus redeemed us from, take authority over the devil. He has to flee from you when you resist him, right? And so, yeah, how many of you know life is hard? You know, no, Jesus said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And if you're not doing it that way, you're not doing it the right way. He said, come unto me, all of you that are weary and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. He didn't say my burden's hard. He didn't say my yoke is heavy. No, casting all of your cares upon him, for he cares for you. Amen. David said, I came out of a church like that, largely in part to Jonathan and Ted's teachings on when to leave a church. And we've done broadcasts on that. Seven reasons I'd leave a church. And any one of them are a reason that I would leave a church. And so I totally agree. Going to the right church that teaches and preaches the full gospel is important because it, it matters what you know. The Bible says in the old, even in the Old Testament, my people are destroyed because of a lack of knowledge. If you have a lack of knowledge in an area, you'll have a lack of freedom in that area. Let me say that again. If you have a lack of knowledge in a certain area, you'll have a lack of freedom in that area as well. No question. No question. Second question. Could you give me specific information 
about putting on the armor of God, when, where, and how to use it. Well, you should use it at all times. You should use it at all times. I don't think we need to really take the armor of God off because the enemy's always looking, right? What does the Bible say in 1 Peter 5? That the devil goes about as a, 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 a roaring lion. Doesn't say he is one, but says he goes about like one, seeking whom he may devour. And I want you to just get this in your spirit. I'm not devourable. You're not devourable by the devil in Jesus' name. But notice that this is our own responsibility. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Ephesians 6.10. So that's your responsibility. Be strong in the Lord. You're, you're called to be strong. How do you do it? By putting on the whole armor of God. Well, you, then you got to look and see for this question, what is, what is the armor of God? Okay. The armor of God is what? The armor of God is, number one, uh, you've got to learn to put on the belt of truth. What is the belt of truth? This is the only truth there is. So you're filling yourself with God's word. That's how you wear the belt of truth. And the breastplate of righteousness. So now, so what is the, how do you put on the breastplate of righteousness? Well, first of all, you've got to be a righteous person. You've got to be saved. But then what do you got to under, you got to understand, I taught this this week too, the importance of knowing you are righteous. That's knowing who you are in Christ, not believing the lies of the devil. I'm just a filthy old sinner saved by grace. I still have issues. I still, God loves this hot mess. No, you're a new creation in Christ Jesus. The old life is gone and all things have become new. You got to know who you are in Christ. I'm not down here as a victim. I'm seated in heavenly places. Man, I preached this strong yesterday. I'm seated in heavenly places, far above all principalities and powers. That's knowing your righteousness, knowing who you are in Christ. What else? Shoes for your feet, putting on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. So the gospel of Jesus Christ, you walk in the power of the gospel, the good news about Christ. That's how you do it. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith. What is the shield of faith? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So the more you hear God's word, the more faith is built in your spirit. And then you can lift that shield of faith up. But again, you can't uh, stand in a faith that you don't know or have knowledge of, right? So what do you do? Here's a perfect example. And I'm sorry if I'm talking faster. I'm just trying to, I know we have to get through all these questions. You can go back and watch it on half speed. <laughs> But what do you do when the devil, here's a perfect example, attacks your body, body with sickness, but you go to a church that tells you that you should expect that sometimes sickness will come upon you because sometimes it's God's will for you to be sick and broken and hurting and in disease and you know he's teaching you a lesson. If that's what you've been taught, then you can't lift up the shield of faith against an attack or a fiery dart of sickness because your expectation is sometimes God makes me sick. So I shouldn't try to avoid it. I should just ask him to strengthen me through it because he's teaching me something. That's a lie. So now that false teaching has given you a deficiency in that area where you cannot lift up the shield of faith to quench those fiery darts. That's why going back to question one, it's important where you go to church and what you have preached into your spirit. So to have the shield of faith properly, you have to have faith preached into your spirit. 
And that means it comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. That's why it's important what you hear. It's important what you know so that you can stand against the devil and his fiery darts. What else? Take the helmet of salvation. Literally protects you. Protects your head. Protects your mind. What? Your salvation. Standing in your covenant. And then finally, taking up the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. You, there's never a time you shouldn't be using this. And so that's how you put it on. Where, when do I use it? Use it all the time. Where do I use it? Use it everywhere you go. How do I use it? I just explained that. Just explained that. And so, yes, it's very important <clears throat> that you operate in the full armor of God because the devil goes about as a roaring lion looking for people to devour. But just declare it again, I refuse to be devoured. I'm undevourable in Jesus' name. Next question. How do I deal with people like bullies and people that have controlling spirits uh, and the I know-it-alls? You know, the I know-it-alls. Sever bullies from your life. What if they're in my family? Limit their access to you. Manipulative, controlling bullies, just cut them off. Goodbye. I don't have time for that nonsense. You're not going to come in with a spirit of manipulation, which the Bible says is like, uh, you know, manipulation or rebellion. It's like witchcraft. That's what the Antichrist spirit does. Manipulation and control. Manipulation and control. I refuse it. I'm not letting somebody in my life that bullies and manipulates and tries to control me. I don't have time for that kind of drama and that nonsense. So you need to be strong enough to cut them out and set a boundary and say, I, I'm not allowing that nonsense. Deal with it. People don't like confrontation. But if you refuse confrontation, you will be in dilemmas for the rest of your life. Let me say that again. People don't like confrontation. But if you don't confront it, you will deal with that crap for the rest of your life. So you have to draw a boundary and say, I'm not doing that. So if you're coming in here with that little manipulation, that little controlling spirit, whatever, that bully attitude, bye, there's the door. You don't have access to me. You are too important to have to go through that drama over and over and over. You shouldn't have to do that. And a person, well, they've been my friend for a long time. They're not your friend if they're doing that. Friends don't bully other friends. Friends don't manipulate and control their friends. Let me read you something that'll help you immensely. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Talking about love. Listen to 1 Corinthians 13, 4. I'll start there. Love is patient and kind. Is it kind to bully someone? No. Well, then that's not love. That's not love. Love does not envy or boast, and it's not arrogant. So that's the I know it all she's asking about. What about the I know it all people? That's arrogance. That's arrogance. It's not love. It's not rude. It does not insist upon its own way. That's part of that manipulation and control. They want to get their way. They want to get their way. That's not love. It's not irritable or resentful, okay? It does not rejoice in wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things, and it never ends. So there you go. If you got people that are, well, that's my friend, they've been, in my, been my friend for a long, they're not your friend. They don't even love you, according to the Bible. 
Because if they're bullying you, they don't love you. If they're manipulating you, they don't love you. If they're trying to control you, they don't love you. That's not what love does. So address it, confront it, call it out to their face like the Bible says to do. And if they won't listen, then you can either, here's your choice. You can go back with witnesses and say, I'm not putting up with this anymore. And if they are a Christian, you can bring it before the church. But if not, cut them out. Because people, if they don't get their act together, they're going to be that way for the rest of their life. And so I have no desire for that. And your life's too important. Your purpose is too important. Your family's peace is too important. Cut it out. Because then what happens? You have those relationships and it brings a heaviness on you. And it brings a discouragement on you. And it brings a, Don't put up with that crap. You're too important for that. Too important. So there's that answer. Um, here's a really good question came in. What about the heaviness of being a single mom and wanting more time with the Lord in those sweet moments to grow and have more intimate time with Jesus, but feeling the heaviness of the drudgery of the mandatory tasks that fill the days full to the brim with working full time and pouring Jesus into the kiddos? Hard to refill, it seems. And even if I'm being intentional about time with the Lord, I feel so tired when I talk to God that it feels like I can't have quality time with Jesus. Ridiculous, I know. And I know God delights in meeting with me and I do him. How do I literally have more time in the day to spend with him when I can't allow the grass to grow under my feet with the duties of work and single parenting? Um, <clears throat> this is one that uh, I have to, because I don't know your full situation, but this, these are the moments when doing an audit of your time is the most important. Because you might be in a part of your life where every single second of your day is vital. And I understand that there's a lot going on as a single parent and you're working to provide and parenting and trying to do all the tasks at home and trying to raise them up in the way they should go. So I get that. But this is one of those times of your life. It won't be this way forever. It's this way while you're raising them, but it won't be this way forever where you have to make your mind up. Like there may not be time right now for you to sit down and watch a show. You know, there may not be time for you right now to, to read a novel. There may not be time right now for you to do random things, you know, on, on social media. Every second counts. And you've got to prioritize reading God's word and prayer. You have to. It is vital, life or death. So, and then he said, I woke up early and stayed up late. That, that's what you're going to have to do is that you're going to have to uh, so order your time that you say, Lord, I'm going to get up early to spend those moments with you in your word and in prayer. And then I'm going to do an audit of my time and cut out everything I can that's, not, that's needless. I'll do the vitals. I'll go to work. I will uh, come home and do the work I need at home. I'll raise my child and spend time with them. Prioritize them. But if you got to wake up early, which I suggest, and then if you have to cut out things that just don't matter, you'll just have to do it. Because at this time while you're raising the child, now again, they'll get old, they'll, they'll become an adult, they'll do their own thing, you'll have more time obviously. But right now, Carolyn dealt with that where she said, you know, I feel like I don't have uh, the time necessary, and she's done broadcasts on it, um, I didn't have the time. I had newborn babies. I was sitting in the lobby of these revival meetings and I thought, what's the point of me even coming because I have to sit out here in the lobby or I have to go to the nursery or, or whatever. And, and it, it bothered her for a while. And then the Lord revealed to her, you know, your children are your ministry right now. 
Your children are your ministry, not writing books, not speaking in the pulpit, which those are things she's doing now as they're getting older, but she wasn't doing that at the beginning. And it was frustrating to think, well, what am I even supposed to be doing here? You know, I've got, I've got these kids and I could have just stayed home and watched the live stream. But no, there's an importance of being in the anointing, being there. And, but she prioritized her time for what she needed in that season. And then as you move through from season to season, things will change. But man, audit your time and priorities and make God first, make your children second, and then cut out the excess in this season. It's not the rest of your life. It's not the rest of your life, but it is right now. And so it's, it's important that you, that you do that. Someone wrote, I think health anxiety affects a lot of people, including myself. Anxiety about what's going on in the world with health, health care, the stuff we just came through. So many people were so afraid of what was happening through 2020, 2021. I know of people that sadly even committed suicide because they were that afraid and depressed about what was going on in the world. They thought it was the end. And so the devil uses things like that and all these things that we hear. Um, did you hear? There's, and look at all the stuff we've seen in just the last 20 years. Bird flu, swine flu, Zika virus, Ebola. Uh, I mean, you go through one after another, COVID, uh, all this stuff. And I dealt with that because... And I'll show you this because this is the reason I wrote this book, Blood on the Door, because I saw the fear that was coming on people all over America through all these things and then terrorist attacks. And, but specifically, you want to look at health attacks? They're everywhere. And people see, did you see this is sweeping through? Now we're going to have another pandemic. Now, and you listen to the, if you listen to the experts, you'll always be in fear. That's why I wrote Blood on the Door the protective power of covenant because God's power protects you from the attacks that are in this world. Very, very important. And so, uh, yes, people may have anxiety about health and maybe even their own health. But let me tell you, let me tell you something that's very important. You have a covenant with the divine healer. You have a covenant with a protector who he has a, uh, he could put a hedge of protection around you and your family. Amen. It's not a coincidence to me, and I'm not saying this to brag. It's not a coincidence that I stayed strong preaching this, declaring this, speaking a spirit of faith, dominion over the devil, and I never stopped traveling. My family never stopped, stopped traveling for that whole two-year period. Went from meeting to meeting to meeting, lined people up, no social distancing, laid hands on people, I, I, full communication, not with gloves on, not with, you know, just ridiculous, absolutely ridiculous. Only wore a mask to fly on a plane because I had to get to the meeting. And I'm telling you right now that in that entire two-year period, not because I isolated myself in my house, not because I wasn't in, the, in public, in crowds, on airplanes, traveling, in churches, around people, I never one time got COVID. Never one time. Never got a jab, never got a booster, never got any of those things. Didn't wear a face shield. Didn't wear rubber gloves. Never once. And I'm not bragging on me. I'm bragging on the power of God because I just believe I have the life of Christ on the inside of me. I'm going to do the work of God. I'm not distancing myself. I'm not stopping laying hands on the sick. I'm not stopping traveling, not stopping preaching the word. That's supernatural. That's the Holy Ghost putting a hedge of protection around you. Amen. And that's, and God will do that for you. Then you, that's what you do. You reinforce your faith on healing and protection 
That book will help you. Healing and protection, and then you continue to confess it, believe it, and walk in it. This person wrote, can you talk about the importance of revival meetings in the church and how much of our modern day churches no longer use the evangelist gift? Well, it would be the same, uh, it would be the same um, answer really as understanding that we need to be in God's word. Um, we need to be in, God, in prayer and in God's presence at all times. In fact, the Bible teaches us and commands us in the book of Hebrews chapter 10, and verse 25, the Bible says, in fact, I'll start with verse uh, 23, hold, let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering for he who promised is faithful and let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. Verse 25, not neglecting to meet. You see that not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day of the Lord drawing near. So as we see the day of the, of the Lord getting nearer and nearer, we don't need to be in his presence less. We don't need to be meeting in church less. We need to be meeting more and more and more. That's Hebrews 10, 25. So I actually am very thankful for pastors who understand the importance of extended meetings because they know my people need to be in God's presence more, not less as we see the day of the Lord approaching. And that's exactly it. Amen. Amen. And so that's, that's exactly it. There is an importance to revival meetings because we need to be stirred up. People need to be refilled with the Holy Ghost like the early Christians were in Acts chapter four. They weren't just filled with the Holy Ghost in Acts two, they were refilled with the Holy Ghost in Acts four. And we need that, a constant impartation of God's presence, a refreshing, an encouragement, an edification. We need to hear the word. We need to be built in faith. Amen. We need a touch from God over and again. And so we need it. So this person wrote, uh, what about me being too sensitive? That is something that you have to deal with. That is something you got you to deal with as a believer. You can't walk through life being too sensitive because you'll always be uh, affected by things going on. And then you'll always be in the wrong position. You'll always be in heaviness, anxiety, fear, discouragement, always, because you're too sensitive. So you need to grow some thick skin. And the best way to do that is understanding what the Bible says as far as dealing with people in Colossians chapter three. Let me take you there and read it to you. Colossians chapter three, the Bible says, put on then as God's chosen ones, this is verses 12 and 13, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Look at 14, 13. Bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other. As the Lord's forgiven you, so you must also forgive. Listen to this in the New Living Translation, how it renders it, because it'll really hit home for you. Colossians 3.13, New Living. Make allowance for each other's faults. Stop expecting everybody to be perfect all the time. Stop expecting everybody to never make a mistake. Don't do that. Don't do that. Because you'll always be disappointed because people will make mistakes. And so don't do that. Make allowance for one another's faults. Make room for one another's faults. 
And don't get bent out of shape because you're so sensitive that you expect everybody to be perfect all the time and always, you know, you can't do that. People are people. Deal with it. Deal with it. And toughen up in your, in your own uh, mindset and attitude. You just have to. Otherwise, you'll always be offended. Otherwise, you'll always be sad. You'll always be broken or hurting or whatever because of the fact that you're too sensitive. So that, that's how I would deal with it. I would just ask the Lord to give you strength because, and, and to give you that ability to walk in that kind of strength towards other people that maybe you feel constantly offended or you're, you're too sensitive about what people say and it affects your emotions or whatever it might be. Then just say, Lord, give me strength. Give me a, a supernatural strength to get through these issues where I feel in my natural mind and my natural emotions overly affected by what people say or do toward me. Make room for each other's faults, the Bible says. Here's another one. How do I get out of being lackadaisical, lazy in a relationship with the Father? How do I rekindle the fire within? How do I rekindle the fire within? You know, I think this is interesting. The Bible says, Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. That's Matthew 5, 6. Blessed are they which hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Um, I always look at this. I, I like that John G. Lake said if he could teach one thing to believers, it would be spiritual hunger. And I get that because spiritual hunger drives everything. And I'll tell you what I believe on this question. How do I stop being lazy in my relationship with God? How do I rekindle my fire? I believe in the supernatural realm. Hunger is the opposite of what it is in the natural realm. Let me break that down. What do you mean it's the opposite? In the natural realm, the more you eat, the more full you get and your hunger is satiated, right? If I'm really hungry, I'm gonna go eat my lunch, and then I'm not hungry anymore, I've, I've, I've satiated my hunger. But in the, in, the, in the kingdom of God, I believe the exact opposite is true. I believe people stop being hungry because they stop the dedication, the daily dedication, or they begin to pull backwards on the daily dedication they have to their own personal spiritual responsibilities, and they start to lose their hunger. So you say, how do I regain my hunger? How do I stop being lazy? How do I rekindle the fire? Number one, eat more. Eat more. If you feel like your hunger's starting to fade, feed yourself spiritually more and more and more, and you'll get hungrier, because I believe it's the opposite. The more you eat, the hungrier you get. The more you're in his presence, the hungrier you get. The more you pray, the hungrier you get. That's right, Mindy, stir up the gift that is within you. I, I, touch, I touched on this, I believe yesterday. We have a responsibility to stir up the gift that's in us. Everyone has this treasure in earthen vessels, the Holy Ghost. Every Christian has it, but you have to stir up the gift. You gotta stir up the anointing. So one of the ways that you stir yourself up in the presence of God is praying in the Holy Ghost. Dealt with that on day one. Praying in the Holy Ghost, it edifies your spirit. People don't pray in the Holy Ghost enough. They don't pray in the Holy Ghost enough. Number two, feed yourself the word. That's why I'm telling you right now, this is going to help people. And, and I want to tell you that are watching, we're getting ready to launch. It opens up Monday. 
uh, in our Bible Study Made Simple course, we're launching a, a, a series called Supercharging Your Devotions. Now, hear what I'm saying on this. This is exactly what I'm talking about. Many people, their devotional life suffers. That's why we're launching Supercharging Your Devotions. It's only $15 a month, and you get a video of teaching on this every single week. That's about 30 minutes long or a little bit more. Every single week. And you can sign up at bible.miracleword.com. The course, it's only going to be open for enrollment for a week, starting this Monday. And then we're closing the course. But I'm going to tell you, this, I'm, I'm teaching in this course. We already have hundreds of students in Bible Study Made Simple. But you can join us starting this Monday. Go, go sign up at bible.miracleword.com. But listen to me. I'm going to be going through how you can do devotionals, your devotional life in such a way that it takes it to the next level. You talk about getting stirred up in your spirit. You talk about building up your most holy faith. That's what I'm dealing with. How to stop just trying to check off the reading plan, check off the reading plan, check off the reading plan, getting overwhelmed with your reading plan and stopping, say, I'll start again next month, I'll start again next year. No, I'm teaching the elements and the principles in supercharging your devotions that's going to take people to the next level of doing this, getting back stirred up again in their relationship with God. And stopping the lackadaisical feeling and stopping that the fire's dying down. No, you're getting ready to go to another level. You got to feed yourself the word of God. You got to feed yourself the word of God. That's number two. Pray in the Holy Ghost, edify yourself. Feed yourself the word of God on a daily basis. You know what? You know what's another thing that really keeps people stirred up? Win people to Jesus, win souls to Jesus. Amen. It'll keep your fire burning. You're not called to do nothing in the kingdom. You're called to be active in the kingdom. But I'll give you one final one. This one helps me very quickly. Listen to preaching and teaching that stirs your faith. Let me ask you this. Janine said, do you use a devotional book personally? Janine, I'm going to be covering all of that in the course. How I do my personal devotions, all of those things. I'm going to show you my screen. I'm going to take you through the tools I use. All those things are going to be in the course. Um, but, but listen, raise your hand in the comments if there's a certain preacher or teacher or multiple that when you listen to them compared to other preachers and teachers, it just takes your faith like up to the next level. I mean, you start feeling the gift of faith. Like I could do anything in the kingdom. Nothing. I can't fail. Raise your hand. If there's a preacher or teacher like that, that you listen to, whether it's on YouTube or podcast or whatever, that man, it takes your faith to another level. And you're like, man, I'm telling you, when I listen to that preaching and teaching, I feel faith rise in my spirit. I feel like I go to another level. Let me tell you, that's a sign unto you. Listen to that more and more. Because there's people like that in my life. And I keep my listening circle very small because I know what stirs me up. And so when I find that, let me tell you, I listen often. I'll listen when I'm going to bed. I'll listen throughout the day. I'll put it in and I'll just, I'll listen to, to them preach and teach because there's a, something in their preaching and teaching that activates the gift of faith in my spirit. And I'm telling you, I do not feel uh, lackadaisical after listening to that. I do not feel like the fire has burnt down to coals after that. I feel like taking the world. You know, you, you, you come out of that gift of faith and you're like, my God, there's nothing I can't accomplish in the Holy Ghost. 
Amen. Jess and Jerry said it made us move to South Florida. That feel. Yes, amen. And we're so happy. We're so happy they're here. We're so happy people feel that about this ministry and are moving here to be a part of Miracle Word Church. It, it, it's a wonderful thing. But let me just tell you something. When you find someone like that, or you may have multiple, one of the ways is to listen to preaching and teaching. Build you up, stir you up, take you up to the next level. That's an important thing. Because let me tell you, let me tell you, there is that uh, temptation to let the fire burn down. I mean, we've all met people that have been in church 30 years and, you know, when they were younger, they were on fire, they were zealous, but now they've kind of lost their flame. They used to shout, dance, praise God. They'd be at every service. They'd be on the front row. Somehow they've drifted back to the back row and they show up once every three weeks and don't even bring their Bible with them and they just kind of sit there in a stupor. That, that's a sign. That's a sign. Catch on fire and stay on fire. That's why I like the ESV of what Paul told Timothy. Fan into flames the gift of God that's in you. Fan into flames. I saw Eric Scammon was on earlier. Uh, we went camping last year, and we've gone the last couple years with Pastor Jordan Work and our wives. And um, we'll start the campfire. You know, we'll be in Wyoming, and we'll start the campfire up there in the, uh, in the mountains, and we'll put it up. Well, what do we do? You start with the tinder. You start the kindling. You get that fire going. Then you throw some logs on it. It's not going to burn forever. It's not going to burn forever. So somebody, or maybe all three of us, we have to tend the fire. You know that. If you've ever made a campfire, you got to tend the fire. you got to tend the fire. So what's going to happen? That fire's going to burn that fuel, and that fuel's going to start to burn down. But then if you want the fire to continue, you got to throw some more fuel on the fire, right? Throw more fuel on the fire. That's what I'm teaching you today for this question. Throw more fuel on your fire. Throw some more prayer in the Holy Ghost. Throw some more word. Throw some more preaching and teaching. Win some more souls. Fill yourself with that fuel and your fire will keep on burning and getting brighter and hotter and brighter and hotter. It's a great question. Uh, here's another question. What, do, what to do when all prayers are not answered or the opposite of what I'm praying for? Uh, it feels like nothing's happening. You don't stop praying because you haven't seen the answer yet. People get discouraged because they say, well, my, my, my prayers aren't seeming to be answered. Ask and keep on asking. Knock and keep on knocking. The Bible doesn't say that some who ask receive. And some, no, it says, and everyone who asks receives. Everyone who asks receives. Everyone who asks receives. Knock and keep on knocking. Ask and keep on asking. Amen. Don't lose faith because it hasn't come to pass yet. Keep on believing. Keep on believing. Keep on trusting God's word. Then begin to thank God. Thank you, Lord, that it's done. I declare, you said to believe that we receive when we pray. And so, Lord, I thank you that it's done. I thank you that it's coming to pass. I thank you, Lord, you're always working behind the scenes to bring these things to pass. And again, this, this discouragement, the things I just gave you, will also keep that discouragement out. Keep your faith built high. And then just begin to praise God and thank him that the things you're praying for are going to come to pass. Uh, somebody said, you always talk about when you're following God's plan, uh, sometimes he'll reroute you like a GPS, but the destination is the same. Yes. Yes. It's important to be led by the Holy Ghost. You've got to be led by the Spirit. Don't just make decisions. That can bring you into discouragement. That can bring you into heaviness and anxiety. Don't just make decisions. 
Make sure you're being led by the Holy Ghost. Make sure you're taking time, especially for big life decisions, to fast and pray. And say, Lord, show me which way I need to go. Show me, give me peace in a certain direction. And let me, and let me see it and hear it. Excellent question. For me, it's the fear after I make a decision that I'll be in trouble for whatever reason and fear comes in. Again, this is where you got to be led by the Spirit and stir yourself up. Keep your faith high. Fan into flames. Because that fear will try to come on you. Don't allow it. You rebuke the spirit of fear, command it to go in Jesus' name. And what's the, what did I tell you is the solution for peace? The Bible says, pray with everything. Prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Make your requests known unto God and the uh, peace of God that passes all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. So prayer brings peace. Praise brings joy, right? Prayer brings peace. Praise brings joy. And so as you're making those decisions, be led and then pray and let God's peace guard your heart. Here's, here's another question. I got two left and we'll ask for your questions. I read the word and pray. I'm praising more and listen to your content daily. Our words have changed too. And since the fast, the spiritual temperature of our house has changed for the good. But I will fall into a funk, if you will. A time it could be for two hours or seven hours. And then it's like I forget it all. It's not until after I think I, ha- I could have praised, prayed, or danced, or whatever. I feel like when I look away from the mirror, I forget my own face. It seems like I can't fully grasp victory. feels like I can't fully grasp victory. This is something, and this is a good question, because th- this has really been a turnaround for their family. But this is a good que- question, because it's not like a, f- a switch flips. I want people to understand that. It's not like a, a switch flips and that you'll never have to uh, fight the good fight of faith and lay hold again. It, that's not the case. I mean, I, I, as I said yesterday, I've been a, a Christian for 35 years. 35 years. But I'm still having to take authority over the devil. You'll never not have to do that. You'll never not have to fan into flames the gift of God. You'll never not have to encourage yourself in the Lord. And everybody, I don't care how long you've been saved, has the enemy try to come at you and attack you and try to take you out of the victory. It doesn't matter how long you've been saved. The enemy doesn't stop just because you hit a, well, he's been saved 20 years, I can't mess with him anymore. Oh, she's been saved 30 years, I can't, now she's reached that place where I can't touch. No, the devil will try as long as you're alive to discourage you, to bring you into, as she said, into a funk, into that heaviness, that anxiety, being upset, maybe fighting, bickering, maybe offended, whatever. No, you got to fight the good fight of faith. Amen. You have to continue to do these things and you keep it, you keep it on. And what happens is the more that you do it, the more, because she said, it seems like afterwards, I, I think to myself, oh, I could have prayed. I could have praised. I could, you know, whatever. I get that. But see, the more you do it, the more you realize, oh, it triggers. It's like, oh, that's coming against me. Okay. I'm not, it's not natural. It's an attack of the devil. I'm not receiving it. I'm going to begin to praise God right now. I'm going to begin to rebuke it right now. I'm going to begin to pray right now. It's like a trigger goes off. It's like, oh, I've seen this before. Here he comes to try it again. Not happening in Jesus name. It's not happening in Jesus name. And so what I would say is, uh, set yourself up, whatever it might be a trigger so that, you know, I mean, if you got to keep things in front of your eyes uh, to just to know, listen, uh, hang it on your fridge, hang it on your mirror. You know, when I get, 
you know, when I get upset, when I feel heavy, let that thing be the trigger. When I feel that fear come upon me, that's when I start praising. When I feel that fear come upon me, that's when I start praying. When I feel that heaviness try to hit me, that's when I start shouting. You know, whatever it is, let the things the devil tries to do to you become the thing you notice. And as soon as I notice it, I'm starting to feel discouraged. All this, I'm going to start praising God. I'm starting to feel anxious about the future. I'm going to start praying. I'm starting to feel heavy. With I'm starting to feel, dis- no, start praising. Let that be the trigger. And then no, you know, if, even if you got to make it into um, some kind of a, a motto that you hang on your wall in the house. When I feel heavy, I start praising. When I feel anxious, I start praying. You know, make that a motto. Make it into a plaque. Put it on the wall in your kitchen. Put it in your room. When I feel heavy, I start praising. When I feel anxious, I start praying. When I feel heavy, I start praising. When I feel anxious, I start praying. Amen. Make it a motto so that when you know that trigger happens, I'm launching right into prayer or praise. Denise said, I found that once I'm consistent in speaking the word to situations, it seems the enemy doesn't attack me in that area as much. Yeah, you start to gain victory and understand I'm flexing my faith muscles in that area. Here's the last one here and then I'll take yours. How, how, please touch on how money effectively can give anxiety if we don't walk in a God biblical view of finances. Well, absolutely it can. If you're trusting in the world's riches, if you're trusting in the world's economy, if you're trusting in the government, you're going to be anxious. You're going to be in fear because they don't know what they're doing. I mean, they've got plans, but they're anti-Christ plans. And so they're going to, they're going to have trouble. But when you start to understand, see, it goes back to hearing the word preached on this subject, hearing the word preached on this subject, hearing the word preached, then you start to realize, oh, okay, God's got another system. God's got another plan to bring it in. And when God brings it in the way that he planned to, I don't ever have to worry about what corporations are doing or what the government's doing or what our nation or what our culture's doing. I don't have to worry about recession because I'm not on that system. I'm on God's system. Amen. And when you recognize that, a peace comes just from being in the word. A joy comes just from being in the word. And you start to realize, oh, and this is why it's important to have proper teaching come to you from right teaching and preaching preachers you're listening to, because the right word has to be in your spirit. The right word needs to be in your spirit. And that's what you got to do. All right, I'll take some. Hunter, if you're still on, you have a spiritual dilemma. Hunter is dealing with a spiritual dilemma. And I'll answer questions until he uh, puts his in. But go ahead, if you've got a question, uh, pop it into the comments, and we'll answer as many of these as we can in the, in the next few minutes. Francine said, not sure how to word this, but if we don't get healed or end up dying, does that mean it was God's will for us to go home? Like it was our time to go home kind of thing. No, it doesn't mean that at all. It's always God's will to heal. Now, there are things that can keep people's back healing back from them, but it's not because God doesn't want to heal them or that Jesus' blood was not enough uh, shed to not only forgive their sins, but to heal their sickness. Best thing I could tell you, tell you Francine, is uh, we have an entire series in Miracle Word University on divine healing, and I explain all of it. It's about five, five half hours of teaching on that subject. It'll help you. Um, Karen said, question, many prophets I follow say, uh, we need to stock up on food, supplements to protect from what's coming, famine, uh, whatever. Also stay away from vax people because they shed. Biblical? Uh, the real question would be, 
are those same prophets selling those supplements and the food that they're talking about? Uh, protect from what's coming? I would be interested to know if the same prophets that are preaching that are selling the supplements and the food to help the people who need to stock up. And uh, that would be a sign to me. Uh, yes, they are. Well, there you go. It's a pretty self-fulfilling prophecy. <laughs> uh, I don't operate by fear. Now, it's not wrong to have a stock if you need to have some extras in a pantry and dry food. It's not wrong. It doesn't have to be done by fear. It could just be wisdom. But um, I'm not expecting to get to a place where the Lord can't take care of me. Scroll back up. A little bit more. Uh, looking for a great study on angels. I would look uh, at Dr. Michael Heiser. H-E-I-S-E-R. Michael Heiser uh, has books on, I believe, angels and, and also demons. And he's, got a, he's a Pentecostal uh, with a, a PhD, a doctorate, doing a deep study on the word. Um, maybe check that out. Dr. Michael Heiser, H-E-I-S-E-R, I believe it is. Uh, what do you do if you're in a step, if you're a stepmom and the mom keeps giving my son ADHD meds and he doesn't need, but she thinks he does? Depends on how old the son is and how much control you have in that marriage and legally. Um, but if you don't really have a lot of legal control over the child, there's not a ton you can do. Uh, you could talk to the father and say, listen, he doesn't need to be on these. That's the best you could probably do for that. How do we start not just knowing God's plan for our lives, but keep walking in them for the rest of our lives? It takes prayer and fasting. You have to pray and fast. This is not a game. This, this is serious. Jesus is coming, and there is a purpose for your life, but you can't just live, live any way and expect to hear God's voice clearly. You have to seek him out. Draw near unto God, he'll draw near unto you. <laughs> Didi Prestia says, can we do a study on David? We've just finished a study on David, Didi. And if you missed out on it, uh, we're getting ready to post it in Miracle Word University. Uh, we did it inside of Bible Study Made Simple. We did a full character study on King David, and we're going to make it available as um, a separate course that you can buy that's not just a study on David, but it teaches you how to study any character of the Bible properly uh, with, the, with the proper study tools and tips that you need to do that hermeneutically. So... Uh, look for that very, very soon within the next week and a half, two weeks. What do you do if you're trying to walk in the will of God and the church leadership's against you? Even if you have prophetic words over you, going back to manipulation, know it all. Um, I don't know, Cameron, where you go to church. I probably know the pastor, but don't put it in the comments because we're not trying to call people out. But um, you have to know the will of God, Cameron, for your life. So for example, let's say, if somebody felt they were called to preach the gospel, but then their pastor's like, you're not called to preach the gospel. Well, if you feel you are in the spirit, then you'll have to stand before God one day for yourself. Um, and not the pastor's not going to stand before God on your behalf. You'll stand before God and say, he'll say, I'm the one that called you, not your pastor. And so when it comes to the purpose that's on your life, remember that you, you can hear from the Lord for yourself. Uh, it's not wrong to listen to wisdom. It's not wrong to listen to your spiritual leadership. You should do that. But if you feel that what the Lord is telling you uh, is, is different than what they're saying, listen, as long as it doesn't contradict God's word, you have to be led by the spirit because again, you will give an answer to God for your life, nobody else. 
Chase, Jesus said, take no thought for tomorrow for what you shall, yeah, that's what he said. Um, yeah, that's, Karen said, what are your thoughts on oneness Pentecostal? I, I've been told you're not saved unless you're baptized in Jesus' name. Uh, it's, it's not true. They don't believe in the Trinity, and the Trinity is an easy thing to, to see in the, in the New Testament scripture, very easy. And um, I've dealt with them on this subject multiple times. Um, you, the, the, the issue is, Jesus said when you baptize, baptize in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. But when the apostles baptized in the book of Acts, they baptized in Jesus' name. I don't think either one is, is going to put you in a place where you're not saved. In fact, you're not saved because of baptism. You're saved because you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart God raised him from the dead. Not, not water baptism. That's not how you get saved. May I ask, please, a good book on the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Rather than a good book, Dana, I'll tell you to take our course in Miracle Word University. It's, it's going to even be better because it's about five and a half hours of teaching on the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And uh, it, it answers... Literally, I've gotten these questions my whole life, Dana. That's why we did the course. It will help you immensely. But if you absolutely do need a book, Dr. Ron, let me see if I can get his name right out of my spirit. Dr. Ron, what's his last name? You don't know? <laughs> let, me, let me pull it up. His name is Dr. Ron Phillips, and it's called Baptism in the Holy Spirit, An Essential Guide to Baptism in the Holy Spirit by Ron Phillips D. Min. Excellent book. Get it. Um, what does fasting and prayer mean in your life, Ted Shuttlesworth Jr.? Get the book I wrote on it. It's on Amazon. It's, it's e-book. So wherever you're living, per, you can get it. It's called A Complete Guide to Biblical Fasting. I'll answer every single question you have on fasting and prayer in that book. That's why I wrote it. It means to not eat and to seek God's face in prayer, but I'll explain everything about it in the book. That's why I do these resources for people. But then again, the prophet Agabus received from the Lord that a famine was coming and they were able to prepare. Either way, the Lord takes care of his own. That's true. Is there such a thing as God's timing? Yes, there is. Of course there, there is. God wants to not just do a thing. He wants to do a thing in the perfect time. But if, you're all, if God spoke to you to do something, then don't wait on God's time. If he spoke to you to do something, you have an instruction from the Lord, do it as quickly as possible. No such thing as a waiting season. But if you're just believing for something to come to pass that somebody said was going to happen, work towards it happening and then let God do his part. What if you don't know what your purpose in life is? Is it okay to feel like purpose in life is to be the best wife and mom I can be? Sure it is. Sure it is. That's a true, let me tell you, that's a true powerful position, Nicole, to hold. To be a powerful wife and a powerful mother, that's a ministry to your husband and a ministry to your children. Amen. And so don't feel like it's anything less than, than that. Um, well, that's a fear, Sherry. She said, I'm afraid to stop. Jonathan put his hands on me and I was slain in the spirit. Okay. Within these 10 years, I've never been admitted to a hospital, but I'm afraid to stop my medication. It's, it's all by faith. It's all by faith. What should one do between praying and the time God seems silent? Praise. 
and thanks. That's exactly what you should do. Praise and thanksgiving. Praise and thanksgiving. Praise and thanksgiving. What do I do? What do I need to do when my husband doesn't provide for me? You have to find another way to receive that provision. And I know that's hard. Sometimes it means that you have to work harder and things like that. But it, it just, you have to have provision. You have to live. And then you can pray that God um, convicts him about that and brings you closer to that place where he's going to do what he should do. What, what I need to do if I told God, spoke to me in my heart, that I need to go study an RBI in, an, in another country, but there's still time to enroll and I, and I go to my, in my church and serve. If the Lord's speaking to you again to do something and you feel it's a true direction from the Holy Ghost, you have to answer to God for your decisions to his instruction to your life. So I can't tell you what to do if the Lord's spoken to you to do something. If he's telling you to do something, do it. Amen. Keep going. Um, Demons, what the Bible really says about powers of darkness, Michael Heiser, eye opening. Yep, I have that book as well, Erica. Um, is it possible that one can be a Holy Ghost filled church, no issues, doing what God's word says, yet you feel he or she is being called to a different church? Absolutely. Because remember, it's not that your church, there's nothing wrong with your church. It's, it's, it's that your church could be a very great church, but the Lord is actually speaking to you to locate you somewhere else. That happened to me, Christina. I was attending the church that I helped to plant with my uncle in Virginia Beach. Nothing wrong. Preaches the full gospel, sees the miraculous, sees things happen. And I'm not, I didn't have, have to leave there because there's something wrong with the church. There was something the Lord was telling me to do, which we can now see the fullness of everything God wanted me to do. Brought me to Florida, put me in this place, put me in this church, got me to see a different per perspective of things that he wanted me to do, then put me in West Palm Beach to start that church. It's all where the Lord wants you to be. It's not, it may have nothing at all to do with the church you're in. It has to do with what God wants to do in you. Amen. Not, not necessarily, Karen. God doesn't have a date that we're to die necessarily, though God knows all things. There have been times even in the Bible that people's lives were extended, the Bible says. And, and, and not only that, there are things you can do to extend your life according to Scripture. For example, the Bible says, honor your father and mother that it may be well with you and that you'll live a long life on the earth. So dishonoring your father and mother is a good way to cut your life short, according to Scripture. When you start to feel sick, sore throat or whatever, how do you pray? Do you speak Scripture over yourself? I've tried this before and ended up getting the full cold instead of one symptom. Yes, I thank God that he's my healer. I begin to declare and thank God that I have the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwelling in me, quickening my physical body. I pray in the Holy Ghost. I lay, if, I, if I have somebody, uh, my wife may pray with me. My father, if I'm near him, I've had him lay hands on me. I'll lay hands on myself and, um, and, and God will touch you. You just receive your healing by faith. Do you have any advice about being a pastor and possibly working a job at the same time? If you're in that place where you have to do that for a season, then um, you're going to have to, as I said earlier, truly uh, prioritize your time because the people you're pastoring need the best from you. So yes, you may need to um, work a job to take care of your family as your church is growing, but hear what I'm saying, you need to come back home at night and as you spent time with your family, you may need to cut more and more entertainment time out to study, to get a word from the Lord, to build your faith so that you have something to feed the sheep with uh, when you come to them. And let me tell you, that is the most important thing to Jesus. 
He asked Peter, do you love me? Yes. Feed my sheep. Do you love me? Yes. Shepherd my lambs. Do you love me? Yes. Feed my lambs. That's the most important thing to Jesus, that his children are taken care of by leadership. Amen. And that, this, and that obviously that souls come into the kingdom. What's the best Christian book that's had the biggest impact on your life and ministry did? I've done like three uh, different broadcasts on that, um, citing different books that changed my life. I would, I would actually go back because I can't list one. I gave a list. But it's a great, really good question, which is why I did a broadcast on it. Keep scrolling. Keep going. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that, Mindy. Tips on grieving for a, a season, grieving season of a lost loved one. Lost my father last Sunday. You just continue to pray and ask God to give you peace in your heart and in your mind um, and, and, and believe God for that. I mean, that's what I said. Peace that passes all understanding comes from prayer. Philippians 4, 6, 7, and 8. Read that and begin to thank God for peace and declare, I've got a spirit of peace. I've got a spirit of joy. And it's a hard thing to lose a loved one like that. But um, you just continue to trust God for the peace as you're dealing with it uh, in your spirit. Let me pray for those of you that are, that are watching. Father, I thank you for every person that's joined me this week. Thank you, Lord, for their faithfulness. I thank you that you are completely removing discouragement and depression and heaviness, anxiety and panic from their lives. Let them walk in a full joy and peace and encouragement, knowing that your word is true and that you have a plan to use us mightily in your kingdom. Best days are ahead of us, not behind. Now, Lord, I, I pray that you would speak to every person watching what they should sow in this offering on this Friday, what they should give and, and, and set themselves up for the financial miracles that you have prepared for us in 2023. In Jesus' name, amen. Now that's the stuff. 